Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. What I'm going to do is just basically just start from where I left off last time. Um, There was some parts that I just didn't get to and as I said before, this is just an area that I'm in that uh, I, this is all I know to do. Right. It's just open myself up and just give you what I feel. All right. Amen. And this is a verse that's really, really been coming to me. And Paul, you can just remain seated. Paul in his writings, this man has went through so much. I mean, no one could stand and in their right mind say this man hadn't went through a tremendous ordeal. He had went through so much. He is, when you take his very beginning, his training, the way he was taught, the way he persecuted the church. And if you ever want to read a story, one, uh, I, I poke fun at it, but where God told Ananias to go meet basically the apostle Paul, but still known as Saul, you know, Ananias, you know, I look at it almost in a joking sense that he's telling God, are you sure? Are we speaking of the same man? He said, this man has went against the church. He's basically, as we would say, he's killed Christians. And you want me to go meet this man? And when you read of Ananias, where his first words to Saul, now this of a man that is severely, at this time, has severely persecuted this church. And Ananias, his first, his first words to Paul. In the Bible, it reads, Brother Saul, or Brother Paul, as we would say. So I'm telling you that speaks volumes to me, that he would trust God enough that when we speak of individuals that we would think God would never, never use. I mean, we have jail ministries and prison ministries. Who am I to judge them? Who am I to judge anybody on the street? I'm telling you, I'm not in my right mind when I look at somebody and think God could never use them. For here Ananias looks at Paul and he he calls him Brother Paul. The Lord has sent me to you. And then Paul, through all his sufferings and all his revelations, and then he comes up and then he, he gets to this point. And this is when the second book of Corinthians, this is what I want to read in the seventh In in the seventh verse of the twelfth chapter, he says in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse 7 is where I want to read. Now, I'm jumping right in the middle of the story. And in case you're not familiar with it, at this point, I suppose it's a revelation or God has took Paul in the spirit. He has showed him revelations. And basically what has happened is God has just got to keep Paul humble. In other words, he has got to keep his feet, as we would say, planted on the earth. So this is the way the Bible records it. Verse 7 says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was give, given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And this is Paul. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it may depart from me. And this is the Lord's answer to that. He said, For my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And I'm telling you, you cannot just hop, skitch, you know, just jump rope along and just call yourself a Christian and do this. It's just not going to happen. I'm telling you, this is what we would call basically, if you want to look at it, a spiritual paradox. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. And, but, but you have to look at his entire life of what he's went through and in what has happened in his life. He's telling us this. Now, if there's one verse in the Bible that I take very, very serious, and I don't know, I, I will throw my age in of, of the time I have been around church, of listening to ministers preach, and just the society of which we live in, of just what I know about God. John 10.10 10 is one verse. As I get older, this is a verse that I take more and more serious. It says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, that not only lays it out. The enemy has one goal and one goal only, and that is to destroy you. It does not matter your age, where you're at, your race in life, who you are. It literally does not matter. That is the enemy's sole purpose, is to destroy you. And if I, me, I'll leave you out of it. If I do not take this serious, then I have just given him an inroad into my life. If I just think this is a verse in the Bible just to fill up a page, then I am looking at this entirely wrong. This is literally why that I like to look so much at the Old Testament because I like the analogies made that where it just says that it's just come. I mean, we, it, I'll give you my title of what I want to speak on, and what I want to speak on is strength. 
We will need strength literally our entire, and I'm speaking spiritual strength. We will need the strength throughout our entire Christian life. It does not matter how strong you feel right now. That's why I've used the analogy, eat as much as you want right now. Tomorrow you will be hungry again. And this spiritual walk is is, is analogy to our natural life. So spiritually, you are going to need God's help. We are always going to need God's help. That's why we are just literally created. God put Adam in the garden to dress it and to keep it. God said he'd come down in the cool of the day to meet with Adam. And we just always see that we need God's help literally because God created us. Since he created us, we are always going to need his help. We're always going to need his help, his strength. I'm going to need it. Now, we have been made fun of. I have been made fun of because I have been told literally to my face that I'm weak, that I can't stand on my own two feet because I need help. In other words, you need, as it has been told to me, you need a crutch to stand on. You can't face life. You can't face reality because you can't do this. You have to go to church because you need this crutch to stand on. That is man's natural way of looking at it. That I can't face life, therefore I need to go to church because I need something to stand on. I look at it as God created me. He put a void in my life to need him. What I'm doing is fulfilling that void that God put in me. I'm not the one that needs a crutch. What I'm doing is filling a need that God himself put in my life. It's the way I look at it. I don't believe I'm wrong in this. In fulfilling my life because I'm saying... Within myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. I need the strength of the Holy Ghost to anoint me, to guide me, to direct me. Because I have an enemy that that is his sole purpose. is to destroy me. Everything I do to trouble my mind, to trouble my spirit. Everything I touch to disrupt it. To keep me confused. To keep me disoriented. Everything because it would be, in other words, it would be. So perfect is it if them two doors, just like a, a metal scanner, if you walk through, if it's when you walk through them doors, if we had some way of just blocking the natural man from us. But the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now that is something else. That is not just ink on a page. To me, that goes back to our one God heritage. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Referring, Christ Jesus referring to his flesh. Let this mind, that's talking about the spirit. Let Jehovah be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. He ain't talking about let Jesus be in you. The God that always was and was and which is to come, let him be in you. And that's what I'm saying when he said, let this mind be in you. In other words, let this God be in you, which was and always is, be in you. But we can't. We just have to have a way. That's what I said when we come in. We just wish there was a way to shut it off. You just come in and just, that's why we pray it. We, we come and we pray. We pray in our seats. We just wish there was a way. And sometimes it is hard. I mean, I'll admit it. I'm, I got the mic, so I'll admit it. Sometimes it is hard to do. And, and, and I will go to, as far as this. God knows your circumstance. He knows where you're at. He knows what you've been facing. And I believe God understands. And I believe God takes into account just 
the um, you cannot you cannot loop this all together and paint everybody with the same brush because here is somebody that could have been fasting, that could have been alone, that could have been a perfect environment. When they come to church, son, they're ready to have church. You take this individual. They could have been going through, you know what, just excuse that, all week. And then when they come to church, they got to fight what they've been going through. It takes them a few minutes to get their mind to the right place. And I believe God takes that into account. But when we come in, that's where we have, as, as the apostle told us, to gird up the loins of our mind. Guard, guard your mind. Come in, rebuke the enemy. Come in, gather our thoughts, gather our mind because we are gonna need the strength of what we can gain the next few minutes that we're here. This is not the only place. We're gathered together here now. So what we have to do and just, I'm not speaking the wrong way of this, but what we have to do is literally take advantage of it. So when we come in, we need to have the strength to stand we have to do this. And just because we are faithful to God, it does not guarantee that nothing's ever going to go wrong. In fact, Jesus told us literally to expect it, just to expect trouble, to expect trials. It's just going to be part of life. He, didn't, he, he said, I didn't come to send peace. I come with a sword in my hand. In other words, you have a real enemy that's going to fight you. You have a real enemy that's going to have war against you. That is why you cannot just forget the enemy. You better take it serious. I mean, when it says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, that is what it literally means. And if, and if, you, if you have just been looking at that as just, that's just another verse in the Bible, you better tape that on your wall, and you better look at it every morning. And you better say, as Brother Chris sung, God, cover me. Cover me this day. Cover me with your anointing. Cover me with your guidance. Cover my mind with your peace. Cover me with your presence. Because I don't know what's going to happen. And it's just as far as our prayer. And I was speaking with someone the other day. They was talking about what is coming. And, and, And I said, there's nothing wrong. We should pray for the future. I said, but the Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. Give me strength for the day. I think that's what... Sometimes where we lose it at, we, we, the, the, we're almost tricked into worry about what's going to happen to the future. Give us today. Today is what we have to conquer. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Conquer today. God give us the strength to conquer today. And he will do that. For he says, give us this day our daily bread. So get up. We can pray for today. And God will give us the strength the anointing, the guidance, the instruction. And once we conquer today, once you hit tomorrow, then pray for tomorrow. God will give you the strength for tomorrow, tomorrow. But don't worry about tomorrow until tomorrow. In other words, don't worry about tomorrow at all, I should say. But the words, when, when, we, when we get up and when we pray, God is going to give us the strength we have. In other words, we have these. That's why I said... I mean, you know me literally enough by now. That is literally why the Bible talks about the Old Testament being our schoolmaster. That's why I love literally with everything that's in me, the analogy of the Old Testament. Because I believe we can take that and just look at it and just take these events that happen 
And that's why I've said, do not pick up the Old Testament. And when you read the accounts, don't read them like a novel. Read them as real life accounts that if God had not had moved in these people's lives, it would have literally cost them their life. They would have paid with their life. And I believe the analogy we get from that is if I don't take John 10, 10 serious, then I'm going to pay with my life. And so that's why, that's why I say this. We have to be very careful. And that's why I said, go to the Bible. That's why the, have you ever heard the phrase, God, I need a word, God, I need a word. You know, some Christians have made it. And I'm not, I'm not pick, uh, poking fun. But, you know, most of the time, people say, God, I need a word, I need a word. And there's nothing wrong with coming to church and ministers preaching and giving you a word. But I'm saying, don't, don't sell yourself short. Don't say, God, I need a word, sitting there holding the whole Bible. God has given you a word. He has given you the whole word. Lock yourself in the closet, get the Bible, and I promise you, God will give you a word. He'll give you, he'll give you a bunch of words, in fact. When you take and you lock yourself in and you pray, there again, I go back to what I said. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're in and what your emotions are. So when you truly, if you are dead, 100% serious, you are painted in a corner. God, I got nowhere else to go. You're just like the apostle Peter when God told him, are you ready to go? And he says, we got nobody else to go to. When you get to the point, my back's against the wall. I got nowhere else to go. I need something from God. You go to your closet. I'm telling you, God will not leave you there alone. We have a father that says it is of his goodwill and pleasure to bless his children. So don't come to church. Don't, and, and, and don't think I'm trying to talk out both sides of my mouth. There's nothing wrong with coming to church and receiving a word from the minister. But don't leave it all up to him. I'm telling you, God loves you. And he'll bless you and give you a word, literally, with just you and him. But when you do not give yourself to this word and get yourself alone to it, then you're selling yourself short. So that's when you could do this. You can do this. I mean, every, every end of the spectrum, every end of the spectrum of emotion known to man, you can find in this Bible. You can find it. There's nothing new, Solomon said. There's literally nothing new under the sun. I mean, if you want to know it, it's here. It's here. It is just literally here. It is just, it's in here. We got to show the courage. And just a few of them that I've wrote down, I'm going to just hit them and pass them, but just a few that I, I just literally, literally love. But we have to show the faith that they had. The Bible says that when David ran to meet Goliath. The Bible says he literally ran toward him. Now, I don't know what it was like to be just a youth and to face this enemy, but the Bible says he literally ran towards him. He ran towards him. And the, the verse that literally fascinated me about Elijah when he's in the mountain cave is when Elisha asked him for the double portion and then all of a sudden, Elijah tells him, you've asked a hard thing. You know, when it comes to, to us, to us, I've said, why did Elisha do everything he done when you read all the miracles that he done? And then all of a sudden, he tells Elisha, 
because he wants a double portion of his spirit that you've asked a hard thing. Me personally, I look at it because Elijah really knew what was in his mind and what he had just asked God to do. And I don't know if that really bothered him. I mean, because Elijah had just said, really, God, it is enough. Just take my life. And then all of a sudden, Elijah says, you know what? I want to be just like you. In fact, I want two times the amount. And then with, I mean, you crossed Elijah. You paid with your life. And then all of a sudden, he's telling this man, you've asked a hard thing. But here again, here's this wide range of emotion that I'm talking about. And here's Elisha and the Shunammite woman, a story that I'll love till I die, of God doing this for the woman, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel just didn't walk in. The Bible says that he was cast in. They threw him in. The Bible says no manner of hurt was found upon Daniel the next morning. The three Hebrew children, which I find so fascinating that we only know them by their Babylonian names. I'm sure if if they was here right now, they would not be happy that we only know them by their Babylonian names and not their Hebrew names. But we need the faith that these three young men had. I'm telling you stories like this that I just love. And I don't believe they did it with arrogance. But stand and look in the eyes of the king and says, you know what? If he does or if he doesn't. We're still not going to bow. If God delivers us or if he doesn't. You know what, King? We're telling you up front. We ain't bowing your idol. We got one God, and his name's Jehovah. And I don't see him, so we're not bowing to nobody. And then one lesson that I know that we can gain from this. When things get so bad and we are so bound in what I, what I love, is the only thing the fire did to them is that what what the ropes that bound them, guess what? It burnt the ropes off their hands. I'm telling you, they come out with not even the smell of smoke on them. I'm telling you, was God good to them or what? I'm telling you, they possessed, they possessed this faith that regardless of the consequences, it just didn't matter. They said, we're telling you up front. Not God do it, and then we're going to Monday morning, what is it, Monday morning quarterback, you know, and then we're going to say, well, if, if God delivers us, then we're going to shout. They said, no, right up front, we're telling you, we're not doing this. I'll tell you another one that I love, Job. When you do everything right, and it still goes wrong, what do you do? And then when you read of Job, it is truly fascinating. I, I, I've said it's just, it's truly amazing. One thing truly about Job that I really and truly find unique is the man, literally, we have no Bible that I know of where Job was told why it happened. He just suffered unbelievably. And, and I guess the only reason I stopped to even say that is because we're told we're Americans. We have a right to know. But I, I, I don't know. He, he was never told. In other words, 
we would think it would ease the pain if an angel would have come down and said, Job, you know, thousands of years later, people's going to talk about you and say this is the reason. But Job was never told why. All he knew is the ten children that he so desperately loved was taken from him. And it affected his wife so bad that she just said, Job, what's the use? What is the use? And then his friends come and sit with him for a week. And you know the old saying, don't you give me that look. I don't know, that probably started with Job. Because <laughs> the Bible says they come, they sit down, they didn't say nothing for a week. I, I've said they only spoke with their eyes. But Job, they just stared at each other for a week. But the Bible does say that they saw the grief of Job and they withheld their voice for seven days because of his grief. But Job literally told the Lord how he fought how he felt, excuse me, how he felt. And then 38th, I think it's the 38th, that's when the Bible says that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And I, I, have, I have told you, and I really and truly felt if God has ever spoke to me in my entire life, sitting right over there, God literally did speak to me. Because it was on a Wednesday night and we were singing and then I was thinking of this Job and of this passage and then of a situation and, and then the Lord just impressed this on my heart, these words. They just said that it was Job's responsibility not to let the storm override the voice. And I, I just thought, you know, that is so true. Our life, the enemy does everything he can to raise the volume of life. And I'm telling you, if there was ever a man that we would say was almost justified in just going crazy, it would be Job. But the Lord says, I am still, no matter what's going on, I'm still going to speak to mine. And when the others has said, I believe that when the others has said, his friends has said, look at all the chaos, look at everything that's going around I believe Job could stand there and says, all you can hear is the chaos. <laughs> but what I hear is the one I love. So when life is, the volume is turned up so loud, I'm telling you, don't let don't let the enemy turn the volume up so loud. Because I promise you, with everything that's in me, God will speak. That's why I'm saying, shut yourself out. Shut yourself out from the world. Because no matter what's going on, God is going to speak. He will speak. God is going to speak, I promise you. In Matthew... I want to read in Matthew 13 when it comes to strength. Matthew 13. These are basic, basically known as parables of the kingdom when it comes to the, to the Lord and his children. Matthew 13, 
This is what the disciples asked the Lord. The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he said unto them, Listen, listen to this now. He said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now that is not us talking. That's our Lord talking. Now, you can profile him if you want to. That is your business. But I'm telling you, the last time I talked, I talked about shaking the dust off your feet. If there's one thing God takes seriously, that's his word. And that's this truth. And when it comes to this word and his truth... The disciple says, why are you speaking to them in parables? And God says, you know what? I'm giving you the knowledge to know what I'm saying. But to the ones that will not receive this, I'm going to hide it from them. I don't care if they're hearing me with their ears and seeing me with their eyes. They're not going to see it, and they're not going to understand it. And they said, You know, but you're speaking to them in parables. But a parable has a twofold purpose. It's to reveal and to conceal. And that's the way God chose to do it. Because you have some, you are going to have some people that are going to hear it, but will not receive it. All they want to do, they want to hear it, but they they want to have no part of it. But they can't do this. And in verse, also in the same chapter, in verse 17, listen to what the Lord tells him, speaking to the church. He said, For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them. And to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. I'm telling you, don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted, this truth. Because I'm telling you, it's literally what's going to save us. I'm telling you, our belief in the oneness of God, this truth, in Jesus' name, baptism, is what's going to separate us. And I'm telling you, that is our safety net when everything else goes wrong. When everybody else is saying we can all come together and believe what we want to, let them go. Let them go. Do not buy into that. Do not believe that. I'm telling you, this, as God told them throughout all of the Old Testament, Hero is with the Lord, our God is one, and we can't have nothing else. That is going to be the thing that separates us, and it's going to continue to separate us. And if I ever find myself loosening up on this or compromising myself on this, I am so wrong. Because this truth, God has said, there is so many that has desired to look into this and just has not been able. He says, but unto you it has been given. You have been able to do this. 
So I'm going to go back now to um, where I started in Paul and his writing. So he goes and he says, through the abundance, there's this thorn in the flesh. In verse 7, in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, a thorn in the flesh, I believe really, as I've heard ministers preach most of my life, I believe, and I, I agree with all of them, that the thorn wasn't named for a reason, that it could have so many applications. That whatever uh, situations we could be going in, there's so many applications that it could be made to so many different circumstances. But Paul said, I have this thorn in the flesh. In other words, I have this pain. It says there was given to me this messenger of Satan to buffet me. I, I have read and studied in this where it says buffet me. The trans, one translation of that was to strike with fist. So we think thorn in the flesh, we think like a little splinter. But I think it was a lot more serious than that. With Paul, with the revelation and the knowledge that he had of taking to the third heaven, I believe this man was, getting, was given unbelievable revelations. And just the knowledge that he had was, I believe, literally unbelievable that God trusted him with. So God said, in other words, you have been given all of this revelation and now I've got to keep you balanced and this is the way I'm going to do it. You live on the earth, I have to keep you balanced. You're still, in other words, your flesh, your spirit is still wrapped in human flesh, in other words. So this is the way I'm going to choose to do it and it's going to be painful. But that is the way God chose to do it with Paul. I'm going to do this. So... But really, when you get right down to it, the point of it was, no pun intended, was to keep Paul literally dependent upon divine grace. And that was the sole purpose. Paul, even with all of his knowledge, God said, I'm not going to take it for granted, Paul, just because all of this knowledge has been given unto you that you're just going to be good, so to speak, the rest of your life. I have got to make sure that you stay balanced, and this is the way I'm going to do it. But Paul literally asked God three times, the Bible says, to remove this. So we know that it was painful. That is why when you go back previous and read in this, um, I think it's around 10 or 11 um, chapters. Um, it's 11th chapter of everything that Paul went through. I mean, this, this man literally went through. I mean, what really um, almost humorous I find is where the Jews beat him. You know, it says 40 save one. You know, my version of that, they're so righteous that they got to leave one off, you know, lest they break the law, you know. But of everything that he went through, the night and day in the deep and all the, the hurt and the pain that he went through. So that is why that I say, that three times he goes to God and asks God to remove this. So that's why I believe it was very, very painful. Whatever it was, it wasn't just as we look as a little splinter in the hand of him saying, God, you know, I don't, I don't really like that. You know, I wish you would move it. 
I believe it was literally painful. And so the third time is when God told him, he said, look, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my grace, my provision is sufficient for my strength. This is when he tells him, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then told him, he says, it could be. He said, my strength coupled with human weakness is what I get out of it. Could be made perfect. Now, could be made perfect. Now, this is one analogy I'll use that maybe you can relate to this. I don't know. Um, When I laid brick for a living, I worked for myself, and I had just one helper. And But basically, the brick that was laid, I laid all of them. And that's just the way I worked. But different people would, just different personalities, it would just be affected differently. But me being a little bit, um, I don't know the word, high strung, maybe nervous or whatever. Uh, maybe that's not the word. But um, let me just tell you how I had to guard myself. And I'll just use um, 15,000 would not be uncommon for the amount of brick on a house. But um, so I had contractors I worked for, and when I started the house, if there was, which I've done houses that had 15,000 brick, which that's, that's not nothing uncommon. But what I had to guard myself about is that when I'd pull up there, I had to watch myself is, you know what? I've got 15,000 brick to lay. And I had worked with some masons. They was, oh, man, job security. You know, you, you, you've got quite a bit of work, you know. But me, I'd flip all the way to the end, you know. You know, every one of these that has to be laid, I've got to do it. And I would really and truly have to watch myself because I would overwhelm myself because you know, somebody could say, do you know there's brick around back and there's brick around the sides and, you know, there's brick over there and there's brick over there and, and then point at me and say, you know, you've got to lay all of them. And I'd say, will you hush? You know, I, I know I've got to lay all them. Just hush. I know I've got to do all that. And this is the way I look at this verse. For he says, My grace is sufficient for my strength. Now, God, I know without a shadow of a doubt is perfect. For he said, my strength is made. Now, the brick's going to get laid, and they're going to get laid one brick at a time. For my strength is made perfect. Now, in our situations we find ourselves in, don't let it overwhelm you. For Paul says, it's in his weakness that he's made strong. It's in our weakness that the enemy will try to make fun of us and just say, what are you going to church for? You're literally weak. Or somebody could be pointed out, you're weak here, you're weak there, you're weak there. But Paul is saying, it's when I'm weak, then am I strong. In other words, the way I look at it, I'm going to get this house laid. These brick is going to be laid because I'm going to be laying one at a time.
I'm going to just still keep laying these bricks. I'm not going to let it overwhelm me. I'm going to just still keep going. And this is the way I believe Paul was, would want us to look at it. I don't know if you can relate to that, but what I'm saying, if you are in a situation and literally just, it's just wanting to overwhelm you and you feel like it has literally got you to a weakened state, and so to speak, spiritually, there's brick everywhere. Don't let it overwhelm you. The Bible says we're made strong. Made is a process. You literally do it just one day at a time. And you just keep continually doing it. He says, for my strength is made perfect. Made perfect. You just continually keep doing it. Keep going. Keep working. Keep going. Keep doing what you know to do. Because there again, I go back. I know God's perfect. For God, now this is God saying, for my strength, my strength. This is God talking. My strength. I know his strength's already perfect. But you couple his strength with human weakness to get perfection. That's going to take a process. But I'm telling you, God said it would happen. I can do this. I can get through this, but it's just going to take a process if I do not quit, if I do not let it overwhelm me, if I keep going. That is the thing. I cannot give in. I cannot let with everything surrounding me overwhelm me and overwhelm my mind because I go back to Paul with everything he went through. And that's why he says, he says, therefore... He says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't believe he is saying that he is, that he is if, if he is sick or so to speak, that he is saying, you know what? Thank God I've been sick. I don't believe he is saying that. He's like Job saying, when everything else is going wrong and everything was chaotic and all the noise was raised up to 100 decibels, at 110 decibels, I heard a voice. So Paul was saying, it's not that I was sick. I know the one that healed me when I was sick. So that's what I believe Paul was glorying in. So when it's just he was saying, that's what I'm being made perfect in. In my weakness. In my weakness will I receive strength. And it's a process. It is literally a process that we go through. And we can do this. We have got to maintain a spiritual perspective in which we live. That's why the Bible says a natural man will receive nothing. Now, as, as, as the saying goes, you don't need a commentary for that. The natural man is going to receive nothing from God. We've got to be spirit-driven. We've got to do this. And, he, and God will do this. For he said, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm going to jump to the last thing I want to speak on. And St. Luke, I'll just hit this. St. Luke, if you want to turn with me, it's St. Luke 10. The two sisters, Mary and Martha. I'll just read it right quick and make a few comments. It's uh, St. Luke 10, 38. Came to pass. As they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him to, into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, 
Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now Mary and Martha, this is two women that without a doubt that love the Lord, unmistakably, I believe we can all agree on that. We have Mary and Martha, both that love the Lord, but who chose to come to the Lord in two entirely different ways. They did this. Mary was worshiping and Martha was troubled. And then, as we would say, Jesus was literally physically in the house. And listen to me, as life does us, Mary was able to turn it off, but Martha wasn't able. And I'm telling you, act as righteous as you want to. We've all been there. Sometimes we come and we just can't turn it off. It's just, it's just hard sometimes. He come in. He's there. The many things of life that we're involved in, everything, mostly everything we're involved in, listen to me, is going to take from us. It's all going to take. And as Mary and Martha, I believe, is perfect examples for us to learn from. And as they come in, they was there. And Martha even had the attitude to go to the Lord and almost semi-scold the Lord and said, look, I'm doing all of this. Now you need to tell her to stop what she's doing to help me. And then you read, you know, if you've read the Bible any at all, you know, when they address someone and call them by their first name and call them twice, they're wanting to make a point. And he tells me, he says, you know, Martha, you're troubled. You're troubled about many things. And he tells her, he says, it's, it's, it's the many things that drive us. And it's, she has taken, she has come in, and I'll say it like this. We come to church, and it's the things that drive us, that take from us. We come in, and if we can't cut it off, everything is just wanting to take. It's to do this. I've got to get this done. And I'm not saying it's not important. It could be important things. And most likely, it probably is. But I, I got to go with what the Bible talks about, the example the Bible used. And this is the way the Lord told them, and I think this is what we can learn from it, because we need strength. When we find ourselves in these situations... The many things, listen, the many things that drive us. It could be, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this tomorrow, my job's requiring this of me, this has got to be done, this is pressing, I've got this to be paid, this has got to be done, I've got all of this. You just don't know the shoes that I have to fill. And God just balances out. He just says, you need one thing. And sometimes we say it's just too simple. It can't be that simple. And God just tells her, you need one thing, Martha. You need to spend time with me. Because everything you named, 
is taken from you. And then he tells Martha, he said, if you would spend time with me, that part won't be taken from you. That part, nobody is going to take. You have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. When the time, when all of this is pressing against you, if you will spend time with me, the enemy ain't getting none of that. If you will block everything else, And everything that's driving you, he told Martha, he said, if you would just spend time with me, nothing, nothing is going to take that. Everything else you're talking about, everything else is driving you, wants from you, wants to take from you. I'm not saying it's not needed or, or, or it needs to be done, but everything has to have its proper perspective. And the point of it is, God was literally in the house. God was literally at their presence and she was so, she could not shut this off with God literally looking at her. And, and the Lord just told her, said, look, one thing is needed. One thing. We want to put it out and write it out and have this big equation. You know, this is what it's going to take. And God says, no, it don't take all of that. What you can do is just spend time with me. And This is not the only place. That's why I said, don't sell yourself short. Lock yourself at home. I'm telling you, we talk about it here because we're here together collectively. But God will meet you anywhere. God will meet you anywhere. But when it comes for strength, we can have it. We have a promise that God said, the time you spend with me would not be taken from you. And I will say it like this in closing. Invest in something that will not be taken from you. It will not be taken from you. The strength that we need, God is willing to give. And because Paul said, when others cause you weak, Paul said it's that time that we can be made strong. Because it's in our strength, in our strength, that we're going to be made overcomers. Because the enemy will try to tell us that we're weak, And what's the use? Because God is saying at that time, you know, some has even said they're so weak, why do they even go to church? And my point is this, when you're weak, that is where you should go. You should go to church. Because God said that right there, that right there is where I'll take and work. When the enemy wants to destroy you, when you're at your weakest point, that's where God wants to do the most work in your life. Because that's where we need strength. And God said he would give us strength. Because he says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.